Hey there listeners, welcome to Horror Movie Club, the show where two dudes who are not quite nerds but not quite noobs choose a horror movie each week to rate and review. I'm Brian, I'm on the phone with Ashvin, and today we are talking about Possessor from 2020, directed and written by Brandon Cronenberg, starring Andrea Riseborough, Christopher Abbott, and Jennifer Jason Lee. And in this movie, an assassin takes over other people's minds to do murder for hire, and things go a little south. Ash, David Cronenberg's son here, Brandon Cronenberg. I know, I'd, I'd never uh, even heard of this guy, had you? Um, I had heard, I knew he existed, um, mm-hmm. and he did a movie in 2012 called Antiviral, but I've never seen that, so I'm very unfamiliar with him. Interesting. You get the sense from uh, what you've heard about that movie and this movie that he's just kind of following in his father's footsteps? A little bit. Um, I don't know too much about that movie, except I do know it's dark. It's, a, I think, a near-future commentary on obsession with celebrities. Oh, interesting. It sounds intriguing. Yeah, yeah. Right. Have you seen a lot of David Cronenberg's films? No, man. I think those are holes that we both should explore more on the podcast. Um, we talked about Videodrome, but I think that's the only Cronenberg movie we've covered. Oh, we didn't cover uh, The Fly on here? No, you and I talked about that movie, but that was pre-podcast. Okay. I, you know, I, I was surprised because, like, yeah, reading about this guy, I kind of figured David Cronenberg was uh, probably gone by now, but it sounds like he's still pretty active. And, uh, I mean, like, has he done anything big in, like, the last 20 years? Um, he did a history of violence, which I want to say was like 2005, mm, okay. um, with Viggo Mortensen, and I actually really liked that movie. Okay, was that horror? No, it's uh, it's action, but it's like pretty brutal, over the top violence still. Okay. Um, yeah, but I guess the only ones I've seen of his are that, The Fly, Videodrome, and Rabid. Um, mm. I really want to watch The Brood. Maybe we should cover that sometime. Okay, and his whole thing was like body horror, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah I that's his jam. Yeah, yeah, and, and you, you feel like uh, like his later movies probably still hit on that? I don't know, to tell you the truth. I feel like I'd be I'd be speaking out of turn if I said anything about his later movies other than A History of Violence. I don't know much about them. Okay. Yeah, I, I remember not being crazy with that genre overall, but uh, it's, it's cool to kind of see it reinvented maybe by his son in this. Yeah, like, is this body horror? It's kind of almost more psychological horror. Right, yeah. Yeah, a lot of uh, mental play going on. Maybe uh, some tech horror, too, similar to Videodrome? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, tech horror. I do think it, like, really focuses on the destruction of the body. Um, May not be the person's body. Like, I feel like body horror is something happening to not you, the viewer, but, like, you're with somebody as they're experiencing something happening to their own body. Right, right. And, uh, oh, so you feel like that, that is in this or not? Uh, I don't think so. I think it's more our main character is doing things to people. Yeah, yeah, sure. That's, um, yeah, right. I guess that's how rabid was. Yeah. Yeah, body sure, like, horror is a little s- swirly in my mind. I can't always quite put my finger on it. It seems like one of those things you know when you see. Yeah, right. And in, in, in this one, yeah, I hear what you're saying. Like, body horror is a transformation of a, a body. In this one, it is more about, like, the transformation of a mind. Uh, so it, it is kind of like, almost like the brain, but um, a little bit different. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so this uh, premiered at Sundance in January 2020 and released in theaters on October 2nd and got 884 grand at the box office. I assume that's because nobody's really going to theaters. Um critic rating on Rotten Tomatoes, 59% user rating, 6.4 out of 10 on IMDb, and 3.7 out of 5 on Letterboxd. Definitely a movie that's going to be, and has been, very critically praised, but some people are going to watch this and just not dig it. Yeah. Um, Were you aware of this coming out at all, or like, did you, was this on your radar? Um... Yeah, vaguely, vaguely. I had seen some stuff about it on Twitter and read a little bit about it in Fangoria. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought it kind of dropped out of nowhere. I mean, I, the first time I heard about it was our Discord server. Uh, someone mentioned it. Okay. Yeah, um, and it's got Andrea Riseborough, who we talked about in Mandy, and she was in The Grudge this year as well. Yeah, I couldn't believe that. Like, she just feels, like, unrecognizable to me every time I see her. Like, it's is that a face you recognize? Yeah, she does look quite different. Like, 
very much the same, but very different as well. Yeah, I, I don't know if it was the effects or something, but they made her look uh, very old in this one. Right. And I, I think probably because of her character in this. But yeah, I was amazed when I looked her up and she's like, you know, in, in her 30s. It's like, whoa. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. She looked very weathered in this. Um, yeah. Not as a, as a uh, I don't mean that as a diss, but yeah, it's very different between her appearance in this and some of the other stuff I've seen her in. Yeah, yeah. She's pretty versatile. Yeah. Um. I think we'd be remiss if we did not talk about penises. <laughs> I was wondering when we were going to get into that. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like maybe we should warn the listeners in general. This is a pretty graphic movie, uh, mm-hmm. and we watched the unrated version. So if you're not <laughs> cool with listening to us describe ultraviolence or uh, penises that vary in their range of erectness, you might want to dip out now. <laughs> is that is that the only difference between the cut and the uncut version? Yeah. I think it's both some violence and penis time. Okay. And I think, if I remember correctly, Ash, the penises increase in erectness as the movie goes. You know, I noticed that, but I thought it was just my imagination, but (laughs) I'm glad to hear you say that. (laughs) All right, good. Yeah. I wasn't sure if I was getting my boners mixed up or not. Yeah, it's it's interesting because you never like usually when a movie shows a penis, it usually is flaccid. So it it was kind of a shock to see something more of a boner this time. Yeah. Did you say more of a boner at this time? Yeah. Uh, Isn't that kind of a novelty for us? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Sounded like a status update by putting at this time. (laughs) Just like a very cold, dirty pillow talk. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there is a boner presence at this time. My penis is more of a boner at this time. Yes. Check back in 15 minutes. <laughs> I may be ready for intercourse in the near future. <laughs> oh, God. Yep. Um, pretty much entirely practical effects done in this movie, which is pretty impressive because there was quite a bit of gore. Yeah, that, that was really cool to see that they took the time to do all that. And yeah. It's, it sounds like Cronenberg really wanted to you know, rely more on practical effects. Yeah, for sure. Um, and they were done by 13 Finger Effects, which sounds like it's primarily a dude named Dan Martin who worked on Host, Color Out of Space, 47 Meters Down, Strangers Pray at Night, etc. Oh, cool. So I feel like he's a little bit maybe up and coming. Yeah, yeah. Like He's definitely got older stuff on his filmography, but just hosts Color Out of Space in this all in a row. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see more of him in the future. Yeah, three films this year already? Yeah. That's amazing. Uh, hey, did you... I don't know if you mentioned this already, but we, is this a Canadian film? It is. It's a co-production of the US, UK, and Canada. And the Cronenbergs are Canadian. Right, okay. And any idea like where this takes place... Um, I think it's in a near future Toronto. Okay. Um, or I don't even know if it's like near future or like an alternate present. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't, I'm not totally sure of the city. Yeah. On, on like the plot summary, I know it was saying like this was like an alternate 2008. Um, so I, yeah, I wasn't sure if it was like the, uh, a fictional city or, um, yeah, if, if this actually took place in, like, a real city today. Because, I mean, the city looks pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. And the year 2008 isn't significant, I think. I don't know this for sure, but he said in an interview that he started writing this script, or maybe did write the script in 2008. Oh, so he just okay. mentioned offhand, like, oh, I guess, you know, current uh, state for 2008. Or, like, present sure. time 2008. And I think someone heard that and was like, okay, this takes place in 2008. <laughs> <laughs> you said it. I got it. <laughs> yeah. No, no, you said it. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, yeah, it, it seems kind of like timeless. They don't really uh, try to like define like winter, uh, what, what's happening or where. Yeah. And although, shoot, now I'm going to contradict myself because he said part of the inspiration for this was him waking up um, when he had to do like the press tour for his antiviral film in 2012 mm. and feeling like he had to play a character of himself. Oh, okay. Okay. On the tour, um, which kind of inspired the themes here, but yeah, that would be 2012, I would assume. So, hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It's it a little more 2008. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, who knows? I mean, it could, could have been a work in progress, 
But uh, I mean, that, right. that's a long time. I mean, if you came up with like the concepts back then, like twelve years in the making potentially, that's, that's yeah, like a long way to go. Yeah, and I mean, eight years between this and his last feature. These are his only two features. So yeah, right, right. Yeah, it sounded like he didn't have any like real big reason. It just was delays and various reasons for it not being going into production and stuff like that. Sure. Various setbacks, setbacks along the way. Yeah, standard. He said he was also inspired by this book called Physical Control of the Mind Toward a Psycho-Civilized Society in the 70s, a book written in the 70s by a dude named Jose Delgado, a doctor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this dude put electro-receivers in animals and people's brains and like caused them to move parts of their body and like stimulate certain emotions and stuff. Oh, wow. That's crazy. Yeah, pretty freaky. I don't know if you remember, there was a clip in the movie of it looked like a bullfight and a guy was it was like someone watching this on tv and a -hmm. guy like held his hand up to the bull and the bull stopped charging no i don't remember that in this film was it like one of the sequences when they're changing people or something i think it was just like on a tv that was kind of in the background or something oh okay you know how when you see everyone like watching night of the living dead in horror movies it was like that kind of scenario okay but that was actual footage of this guy jose delgado and his study Wow, that's awesome. Like he just, I don't know if he pushed a button or sent a, a transmission or something and the bull stopped charging. Interesting. So some kind of mind control just with like electronics or something? Yeah, yeah. And he mm. said, Cronenberg said he, one of the most interesting things to him was that some of the subjects, or at least one, said they would like come up with excuses for why they did the things he made them do. Like they mm. had an actual reason for doing it as if it was their choice. Oh, to move their arm or whatever. Yeah, and we see that kind of come into play on the in, in this movie too, right? Yeah, so that it seems like that had to have an impact on the uh, the themes here. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, anything else on this movie before we start spoiling things and head into the plot? Uh, I couldn't find much else. I had, had a boot in do on his uh, Alex connection or on the Ohio connection this <laughs> it's time. The Alex connection. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so I guess before we go into that, we have our friend Alex connect every movie we watch to our home state of Ohio for us, and Alex owns the Jukebox Bar and Restaurant in Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, They're on Uber Eats now, or Grubhub, and you can also drive up and pick up beer or wine or food safely from your car. And Alex says, Possessor features a who's who of familiar actors. Patriot Games and all-around movie villain Sean Bean plays high-powered CEO John Parse. Fast Times at Ridgemont High's Jennifer Jason Lee stars as Ava's boss, Girder. Arthouse film actor Christopher Abbott plays the role of Ava's fiancé, Colin Tate. And he launched his film career in the 2011 psychological thriller Mar- Mary Marcy May Marlene. From there, he has been a cast member on the HBO series Girls, while also starring as the titular character in 2015's James White. This film, which centers on a man's self-destruction, also featured a breakout performance from Scott Meskety, a.k.a. Kid Cudi, a rapper from Cleveland, Ohio. Oh, cool. I didn't know Kid Cudi was uh, in films or in TV. Yeah, I didn't know that either, but there we Good go. For him. Yeah, nice job. Uh, speaking about that, I mean, like, yeah, I think uh, there is, like, a pretty decent cast in this. Uh, a lot of familiar faces and names. Yeah, yeah, and we had just seen, uh, well, not just, but maybe a year or two ago, Jennifer Jason Lee in Annihilation. Right, yeah, yeah. And then we saw Christopher Abbott in um, It Comes at Night. Oh, yep, yeah. Right. Oh, and, that uh, was a lost episode, wasn't it? Yeah, that was our we lost episode. We recorded that and accidentally deleted it or something. Something like that, yep. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, Sean Bean, is, is that the guy's name from, uh, he's Ned, right, from Game of Thrones? Ned Stark? Oh my, is he? I thought so. That's uh, that's kind of what... Is he not? Oh, he is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. my gosh, I didn't put that together. Okay. Yeah, I know. He's just got this really familiar face and I was, I was trying to place him the whole time. But yeah, I think I think he's not Stark. Nice. Yeah, it was again one of those people I'm just like, oh yeah, that guy's in everything and I don't even think about what he's actually been in. Right, yeah. <laughs> I know, just another familiar face. Cool, cool. Um... You know, I ran a mother fact. I also noticed the stills photographer was Caitlin Cronenberg, Brandon's sister. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, wait, yeah. so she did the, uh, some side photography on this? Yeah, yeah. The um, So like any of the stills you see from the movie, like the screen grabs, if you will, are oh. 
just photos taken by a stills photographer. Okay, cool. So that was her role. Pretty talented family. Yeah, yeah. I think she's like a pretty pretty prominent photographer, fashion, uh, portraits and stuff like that. I think I saw she had done a pretty famous portrait of uh, Canada's prime minister who... Oh, that Justin guy? Justin Thurdeau, yeah. Yeah, nice. Um, Yeah, anyway... Uh, you ready to spoil some stuff and walk through the plot and review? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Uh, before we do that, you mind if we take a quick break? I've got a toothache driving me bonkers right now. I think I need to go get some Tylenol or something. Oh, no, sure, yeah. Go for it. All right, cool. I'll be right back. All right. Okay, man, I'm back. Hey, you feeling any better? I do feel better. Um, my wife actually helped me out a bit, and she just went ahead and pulled the tooth out herself with a fire poker. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, did she knock anything else out while she was in there? <laughs> actually, I had something in my, like an eyelash in my eye, too, and she took care of that for me as well. <laughs> yeah, that's good, man. Uh, it, was, it was good to be resourceful and use what you have on hand. Yeah. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> Uh, anyway, this movie starts with a woman who we see injecting something into her head or inserting or poking into the top of her head. And then we see her go to this party where she's going to be working, I think, as a cocktail server or a hostess or something. And she walks up to this dude at the party and just stabs him in the neck. Uh, and then relentlessly is just stabbing body blows with this knife, his chest and stomach. There's blood everywhere. Um, she kind of like runs her hand through the blood and then looks at it and she's about to kill herself and says pull me out and she struggles to pull the trigger while the gun's in her mouth and then points at the cops instead and they shoot her multiple times killing her what do you think of this opening man it was it was a powerful opening uh, i was like cursing her name like five seconds into this movie with like the gore of uh her like <laughs> putting something in, in her head and like the blood coming out and then yeah just the cinematography the acting uh the pacing of this opening i, I thought was really strong what, what did you think yeah i think so too it hit hard and it uh it worked i mean it it really uh gave you that visceral response like you said mm-hmm. and one thing i noticed right away was that every frame in this movie i kind of like paid less attention because i just got used to it but every frame of this movie was like art like yeah. it was a very very skillfully done cinematography yeah yeah like do you remember like the hotel uh like the the, the scene from like the lobby and everything and it was just really well framed and uh yeah what people like uh the the design and everything was just kind of perfect yeah everything the framing the production design the colors the lighting yeah yeah solid work yeah that was great um, so after we see this woman get shot by the cops, we see Andrea in sort of Andrea Riseborough. Gosh, what's her name? The character's name? Voss? Uh, t- t- I thought it was someone with a T. Or maybe that's her Tasia. last name. Tasia Voss, I think. Oh, okay. I'm going to call her Voss. Um, so we see Voss take off this equipment like off her head, and it's clear that she was somehow possessing this woman's mind. And then we see Jennifer Jason Lee kind of working as her... I don't know, right-hand woman or guide through all this, and she's giving her a series of questions afterwards just to make sure her brain and memory and personality are still intact. So they go through this box of personal items, and Voss has to recount each one and say what she remembers about it, and they check the boxes. Um, One of the things she remembers that I feel is kind of important for the theme of the movie here is a butterfly that she killed as a kid and pinned it under glass. And she says she felt guilty about it, and she still does, which will come into play later. Um, And she's also chided by Jennifer Jason Lee for using a knife when she was provided a gun. Like, she grabbed the knife off one of the cutlery trays or something instead of killing this dude with the gun that was provided. That will also come into play later (laughs) via fire poker. And and I think think this is where kind of she reveals that... um, She's looking for some time off to bond with her family, but like, isn't uh, her boss kind of reminding her that um, she's separ- separated from them? Yeah, yep, separated from her husband. 
Yeah. Um, but nonetheless, she does go there to spend some quality time with them. Um, and before she goes in, you see her outside, like rehearsing what she's going to say to her family. And not even like she has anything big to say. She's just rehearsing like, oh, hello, darling. Or, oh, I'm starving. Like <laughs> normal conversation. Yeah. It's almost like she was trying to remember how to like be a person or something. Yeah. Or be exactly. herself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so she goes in, they hang out. It seems like she's got a pretty good relationship with her son. The husband clearly doesn't know what she does for work. Um, he asks her to come back. She has visions of him being stabbed in the neck, just the same way she stabbed that other dude in the neck. Um, but nevertheless, they, she stays the night, they sleep together. Um, then later she's given her next assignment and that is to possess this tech company's CEO's daughter's fiance. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, I think the dude who owns this tech tech company, his stepson is hiring them to kill this dude himself, the CEO, and his daughter so that he's the next in line to take over. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, they would do that via mind control of the CEO's daughter's fiance, Colin. Well, well, one thing I wanted to ask you is like, uh, you, you know, like she'd been talking about taking a break, spending time with her family, and she spends the night with uh, her husband or ex-husband or whatever. And then like in the middle of the night, like she kind of has a change in heart and she goes down and like calls her company and says, I want to do this job. Uh, did you understand at that point, like why she had like this change of mind or um, is that something you think is resolved later? I didn't think too much about it. I just thought she like took, uh, yeah, good question. Yeah. Cause I, I mean, she calls them and like, is like, I want to do this job versus, and then when he asked her like, Oh, who you're on the phone with, she's like, Oh, we're called. They need me. So I, I think like it, it's starting to like kind of portray that she maybe is more invested in her job than the family or something. Yeah. And I think maybe she was even getting a little like bloodthirsty cause she, envisioned him being stabbed in the neck multiple times and then right after that she like went to bite on his neck while they were having sex right right yeah that's a good point not literally thirsty for blood but like she seems to be addicted to what she does which is killing people sure yeah some kind of killer instinct in there yeah yeah that makes sense yeah which I don't know how this company operates legally like being assassins but they're essentially a corporation of assassins right (laughs) (laughs) I assume it's not legal what they're doing but yeah yeah I assume so. Too. And part of the reason her company wants to take this job is because then the CEO of this giant tech company would kind of be in their back pocket since they'd have blackmail on him since he hired them to assassinate everybody in his way. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because on one hand you have like this bad guy uh, tech company or like data mining tech company, and on the other hand you have like this uh, company of like serial killers, which is really interesting. Yeah, it was definitely a commentary on mega corporations and tech corporations and technology as we know it. Right. Right. So, let's see. So, she possesses this guy. Um, Actually, before she does, one of the haunting things was that she has to watch him for a while to kind of learn how to imitate him. And she's repeating the things he's saying, like trying to act as him. And it's very much similar to how she was rehearsing her own lines for when she walked into her own home. Oh, good catch. I didn't didn't, uh, draw that comparison. Yeah, so I think it's just made to let you know that she's clearly kind of blurring the lines between work and reality and mm-hmm. she's kind of playing a character either way. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I really like that uh, sequence of her, like watching them and like trying to mimic what he's saying and stuff. Yeah. That's cool. And so she goes into this dude's mind before she enters one of the higher ups at her work is like, make sure you pull the trigger on the way out. Um, meant to insinuate that she maybe hesitated before when she was the woman, the cocktail waitress in the opening scene, or that she was being overpowered by that other person. Um, I, I read it initially as that she was hesitating to do it and that she like wanted to be another person. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I kind of thought it was more like she, uh, was bored by the idea of like shooting herself and rather wanted to go out like more like in a blaze of glory and, uh, that was just kind of like, kind of the same thing. Like, why did you use a knife instead of the gun? Like that oh, she was, okay, yeah. it was more like a stylistic decision, but I, I think you're right. It kind of, we find out more, right? Yeah. I think later you kind of find out that maybe she was being overpowered by that person's will, but right. 
I think it's kind of fun to leave that open to interpretation. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, so she transitioned into his body um, and has a bit of a spell. Whenever there's some sort of psychological disturbance going on here, we get these like short, almost music videos, just very trippy montages mm-hmm. or like video collages kind of. Yeah. Normally that kind of trippy stuff annoys me in a movie, but I felt like it was used well here. What yeah, do you think? I agree. Like the visuals are like really cool because it kind of like shows uh, like even when she's going into that body, how like her body becomes like liquefied and it like goes back into form or something. Uh, it's, it's just really cool visuals uh, side to that kind of yeah. stage. Yeah. Yeah. And it was a cool exhibit of some practical effects too. Yeah. Yeah. Some nice um, uh, it was necessary here too like some movies go excessive with that kind of stuff but it was trying to make the make visual what you couldn't picture you know like what's going on in her mind you gotta put it on the screen somehow right yeah 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 it seemed an effective approach a lot of like strobe uh, lighting yeah yeah for sure so surprised um yeah in an interview with Brandon Cronenberg he recounted like one of the higher ups or producers walking onto set one day and he was just like lying on the floor, f- turning a flashlight on and on in Andrea's face. <laughs> and just said, it probably looked like the dumbest low budget thing in the world, yeah. but that was like how they did some of that stuff. Oh, that's nice. Disturbing. Um, so yeah, they, um, she's in his mind now. She checks out his penis in the mirror. I think that's our first penis of the movie. Flaccid, though, at this part, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a zero on a scale of one to five at this point, or a All one, right. I guess. Yeah. Um, and she is this guy. She interacts with his fiance and stuff. It's clear that this takes a toll on her via some of this video collage stuff that, like, being in someone else's mind is screwing with her a bit. And she goes to work at his job, which is a very creepy job. He's data mining, but he's looking through the cameras are presumably on the devices that this company makes. So you can imagine he's looking through the cameras on computers, your iPhone, whatever, and watching, looking in on people's lives. And then his job for the day is just to report on what kind of blinds and like window treatments they have (laughs) just for like marketing data, I guess. Like these are the type of blinds and window treatments that people like. Yeah, this this part, I I, th- I thought this was crazy. Like, uh, I've, I've never seen something like this, and it's just such a scary idea that, I mean, we all kind of, like, live with that fear that your phones are listening to you or something's watching you, but I, I don't know if I've ever seen it, like, acted out in this way, have you? Yeah, it was cool. It was cool. And it was also, like, so disturbing, but so mundane as well. Yeah. Like, he, <laughs> he sees two people having sex, um, and he's just... You know, his job is to ignore the sex, look at the blinds in the background and report on what they are and then move on to the next <laughs> yeah. camera. Yeah. Um, penis number two, maybe a 2.5 on the <laughs> erection scale in this <laughs> sex have, scene. Pretty graphic. I would hope so, at least. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, it's not much of a scene. That's hey, an uh, Oshman five. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you're calling that a 2.5, <laughs> I got some questions for you. <laughs> oh, we descended into boner joked him, but we knew it would, we knew it would happen. <laughs> um, hey, but like, you know, th- this is kind of veering deep into like sci-fi territory and showing like this bad company that's, uh, you know, taking, um, you know, invading individuals' privacy. It's kind of outside of the main plot line uh, and doesn't really serve a purpose. But uh, do, do you think it's more like to show the character of the CEO that we meet later or... Is this just kind of like an anti-corporation, anti-data type uh, message? Hmm. That's a good question. I think it's just like maybe a way to add the scariness. Um, Mm -hmm. Actually, somebody on our Discord server commented about this a little bit. Maybe we'll touch on it in the review portion once we get there. Okay. Not this specific scene, but some of the overlying themes with the tech companies and stuff. Okay. Yeah. Um. So yeah, anyway, and he has a bit of a spell, he slash she, she being in Colin's mind, has a bit of a spell after this and is lying to her employers like as she communicates with them via the brain thing. Like everything's fine, I'm fine, but she's clearly struggling. Um, I think she, in my opinion, it was like she was having trouble 
either controlling the will of Colin or like being fully committed. Like she loved being somebody else so much that it was like, that was her internal struggle. Yeah. It was really hard to get a read of like what was going through her head. Um, Yeah. 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 Was it the maintaining of herself while in another person or was it like trying to keep holding the other person back from imposing their own will? Right. But then at the same time, there's this third thing where uh, she's supposed to be making this guy look like he's about to lose it because he's supposed to kill everyone the next night. Right. So I thought maybe she's like uh, having him like purposefully act weird to start to build that narrative. But yeah, it could be either of those. Yeah. Boy, layers. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he. the plan is there's going to be this party at the tech CEO's house and that's where it's all supposed to go down. He's supposed to get a seat like create a public scene and come back later and kill the guy. Uh, and that's what he does. He gets drunk and, you know, kind of talks back to the guy who was a total shit to him anyway, and gets kicked out of the party, comes back later and sits down at the table to shoot the guy, but ends up grabbing a fire poker and boy, oh boy, he <laughs> shoves it. He stabs the dude a few times with it and then shoves it into his mouth and pries his teeth out uh and then shoves it into his eye and pries the eyeball out we see all of it in very vivid detail Uh oh man i don't i don't remember some of those details i I feel like i might have looked away or something blacked out yeah just blacked out (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah fangoria the last issue of fangoria magazine had a had a picture of the model of that guy's head and like how the i think the teeth like stuck into the gums via like magnets or something and then Mm. Um, yeah, it was cool. It looked real. Yeah, yeah. That was, that was pretty disgusting. Um, and then his fiance kind of runs in on the scene and he shoots her in the back, then chases her down, shoots her in the head. And he is supposed to kill himself at this point, but he doesn't, he can't seem to make it happen. And instead of doing that, he stabs the implant in the back of his head. And then we cut back to the room where Voss has that helmet on, where she's doing the work, surrounded by Jennifer Jason Lee and the techs and everything. And she's surging, whatever that means, and bleeding from her mouth. Something's clearly going wrong on her end, too, now that he's stabbed this thing out of his head. Mm-hmm. Um, and they decide, Jennifer Jason Lee decides to keep her in his mind to visit, to finish the job, even though she knows she's at great risk in there, like her brain has already undergone some permanent damage from this. Right. And from here on, you don't really ever know, at least I didn't, who was in control of Colin's mind slash actions at what point, you know, it was kind of a wrestle between her will and his from here on out. Yeah. It gets kind of trippy. Like, uh, they each like kind of imagine each other there and like, yeah, it seems like they're going back and forth on who's in control. Yeah. Um, so he retreats to a friend's house and asks if he can hide out there. And he gives the explanation like, I did it in self-defense. And she doesn't even know what he's talking about at this point. She doesn't know what he's done. But he's like, they attacked me. I was, it was self-defense. And I have a feeling that could be where that theme in the experiment of people giving reasons for why they did what they did, even though they were just under mind control. Totally. Yeah. I was surprised to hear him like kind of say that stuff. Cause it sounded like almost he was trying to reconcile what he's done and he was trying to justify it. But yeah, it's, it's like, yeah, as we know, that was someone else controlling him doing that. Yeah. At first I didn't know if that was Voss saying that, like, you know, making up a lie or if it was really him thinking that that's why he'd done that. Yeah. I think it was, I, I feel like it was him at this point. Yeah. Well, he starts to lose it while he's in there and he like goes and points a gun at this woman while she's in the shower. And before we can see him pull the trigger, we kind of enter his mind and this elaborate uh, hallucination slash you don't know what's reality and what's not. And it's like him and Voss wrestling with each other in his mind. Mm -hmm. And we see her like him grab her head and squash it and then put it on like a mask which is what the cover photo is. Yeah, that that was freaky, wasn't it? It was really freaky. I think that was... This was more of a, like, dark, extremely dark thriller in a lot of ways, but this was a very horror-heavy scene to me with this mask on. Right, right, yep. Just kind of, like, hanging off his face. Uh, yeah, pretty wild. 
Yeah, and he's kind of walking through like some of her memories, but it's essentially him with this mask on, like kissing her son goodnight and everything like that. Right, right. Pretty freaky. Mm-hmm. Um, he comes to, and this guy is there who works for the Voss's company, and his job is to like try to help Voss get out of his brain. And he loses consciousness again, but when he comes to, he's killed this guy and realizes that he killed that friend in the shower earlier too um so from here he actually goes to Voss's house and he holds her husband hostage at gunpoint and he says something here talking about like he's trying to understand like what's she like what's she doing like why is she doing this to me maybe she was normal and he says something about it. maybe she has a worm in her brain from the kitty litter that makes her do things yeah, I, th- I think was it was this like a metaphor around like how something like a worm can get in your head and make you act differently. Yeah, yeah, I don't know if that was a metaphor that almost seemed out of place. Like it fits in with the themes, but I'm not sure why Colin would have said it. Yeah, why suddenly he'd be like such a philosopher. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, but dude, that is actually true. There is when my wife was pregnant the doctors would say like it was like one of the boxes to check like don't eat sushi uh if you have a cat your husband should change the kitty litter Mm because there is a parasite that can is especially vulnerable for pregnant women but like what is it does it like control your actions there is some evidence to suggest that like maybe in small ways Hmm. um if that interests you i would recommend anybody go listen to a podcast called Stuff You Should Know and check out their episode called How Has Toxoplaza Turned the World into Zombies? <laughs> it's all about that parasite. <laughs> wow. All right. That's cool. I, I didn't think a parasite could give you more than like uh, like some shits or something. That's that's surprising. It's freaky. It like, um, I wish I had listened, re-listened to the episode to remember exactly what they said, but I think they showed that mice with this parasite were strangely drawn to the smell of cat urine mm-hmm. because cats, which is a stupid thing for mice to be drawn to, right? <laughs> like this is like a suicide mission. <laughs> yeah. But cats, for whatever reason, make a great host for this parasite. So once it gets into a mouse, it essentially like mind controls them oh by being God. like, oh yeah, you like the smell of cat piss now. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. Isn't that nuts? Damn. Yeah. Nature. Killer. Nature. <laughs> But yeah, so I don't know, maybe Colin was a fan of this podcast. (laughs) Yeah, that's the only explanation I can think of here. (laughs) But he's trying to be like, where is she? Like, I want to talk to her to find out what her motivation is. And they essentially like meet in their minds and she's speaking to him and she says, go ahead, do it. Like, kill my husband. Mm -hmm. He's only holding you back. Like, meaning he's only holding me back. And the husband at this point kind of knocks the gun out of Colin's hands, but he grabs a kitchen knife, stabs part of his hand off, which goes flying across the room, stabs him a bunch of times in a pool of blood. Then the son walks in and stabs Colin in the neck, and Colin shoots the son like a less than 10-year-old boy multiple times in the abdomen and then once in the head. God, that was brutal, man. Pretty brutal scene here. I mean, the whole movie was really brutal and cold. Yeah. Um, and then as the son, this boy is dying, he asks to be pulled out, like pull me out. And then you realize it was Jennifer Jason Lee controlling his mind, presumably to go in there and take down Colin to like get this whole thing over with since Voss didn't have it in her to pull the trigger and kill herself as Colin. Right. And and Colin also says, uh, pull me out, right? Yeah. Yep. They Mm -hmm. both say, pull me out. And then Voss and Jennifer Jason Lee are back in this mind control office and they run through that quiz again or like the the checklist the questionnaire and um the she gets the butterfly again and she says like this is a butterfly that i killed and penned as a kid but she noticeably does not say she felt guilty about it at the time and still feels guilty and i think this is just meant to say she's kind of maybe realizing she or she's fully transitioned to this killer now. Like she has no, um, like regrets or guilt about it. Right. Yeah. No attachment. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know if that was just her like embracing her true self or if her mind has just been corrupted from how many times she's done this. 
Yeah, yeah. That's the part that's hard to tell, like how much of this is her versus a subject of like what she's been doing on repeat. Right. Like, could that be the worm that's worked her way? It, it's way into her mind, like killing people so often for her job. And now right. she just likes it. But also to take that job, you've got to be kind of fucked up in the first place, right? To just be oh. a hit man, a hit woman. Totally. Yeah. I feel like there's a lot of backstory. Like we don't know, like how she got to, uh, even like become in this role. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, obviously like she had this family, but now like she's been able to kill them and kind of go back to like this idea of like a blank slate almost. So yeah, really, really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that hits home to the story, the themes of like ruthless companies and what they would do to get ahead. So mm-hmm. Jennifer Jason Lee just went in there and possessed a kid to murder somebody and then knowing the kid would be have to be sacrificed as well. Right, yeah, yeah. Like, all essentially to get paid and then to have this other tech company in their back pocket that does data mining. Yeah, one thing, though, is that uh, this the mission uh, failed, though, right? Because that guy that she went to town with with the fire poker, he, he survived, right? You're right. That's an important detail we catch in the background during a news bulletin or something. Yeah. So, so <laughs> bulletin. <laughs> this yeah. is the near future, and they still call them news bulletins. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So it, it did fail. So I don't know. I, I was surprised to just see them going through the quiz like everything was hunky dory. I thought they were gonna like kill Voss or right fire her or something. Yeah, there'd be some kind of like backlash or something. Yeah. Um, oh, and, and we skipped one uh, boner that uh, she had, I think, when she was having sex with the... Oh, possibly the most important boner, yeah. Yeah. She's having sex with Colin's fiance, and we see her as her, but with a boner. Yeah. This was a five boner, right? Yeah. <laughs> five of five. Yeah. Definitely a five. Yeah. Uh, very, very artistic shot there, though. Yeah, it was. It was, it was cool. Mm-hmm. So... Impressive color spectrum, which also completed the boner spectrum. Yeah. <laughs> Topped out. Nicely compliments the, the boners, yep. So uh, what do you think? What do you think of this movie? Uh, man, it, it was like a very original story. I, I, you know, like it definitely feels very tech horror and kind of follows in line with like some of the other sci-fi movies we've seen. It reminded me a bit of like Upgrade and maybe like a little bit of Invisible Man, but uh, really cool to see it brought into this light. And all like of what you described around... Um, like the complexities around, you know, knowing what is her and like in her power and control versus like what she's been brainwashed to do or that she's fighting with this guy in, inside uh, like a battle of wills. It was, it was like, I think it brings up like a really interesting theme and like a power struggle throughout, uh, which kept it kind of confusing, but also like just visually cool and like a fun ride. And then, yeah, the end was just like so disturbing watching like a child get shot. Like that's the one thing you think you won't see, but uh, they kind of go there. So I, I thought pretty powerful and effective. What, what, what did you think? Yeah, I think so too. I um, Right off the bat, first 10 minutes or so maybe, I was like, this is probably not the type of movie I'm going to like that well, just because it's really cold mm-hmm. and dark. Um, but especially once Colin, once the fire poker scene happened, <laughs> I became very engaged in it Um not only because of the ultra violence, but because it really became more psychologically interesting, like Voss and Colin wrestling for the control of Colin's mind. Yeah. And not totally knowing like who's doing what and, and what's going on. Um, I was confused without being lost. Mm. Like, yeah. It, and it was complicated without being a mess. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's a good point. I, and I think that they did a really effective job because it is like such a gray area. But as a viewer, you're kind of fine being in there because you realize like all the different dynamics that are at play. So it never felt like too overwhelming, I guess. Yeah. That like, well, what the hell's yeah, going on? Yeah, and I think it's cool when a movie is complex enough that you don't even know what it's about or like is about many things or, or you don't even know what all the director and writer intended versus what just happened to be there. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. That, that, that's a feat for sure. Uh, it, it's yeah. interesting. I, I feel like I might've had a, 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 the opposite though. Like I felt like the first and second act really strong because you know, like there's this mission coming up and you're just waiting for this guy to go to this party and, and murder someone. And then the third act becomes that whole uh, psychological uh, battle, which you're talking about. And that seems to be the part you liked the most. Yeah. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I, I feel like the plot kind of slowed down a little bit, but I purposefully, obviously. But right. um, 
yeah, I, I kind of missed the concreteness of like the first uh, half of the film, I guess. Sure, it got a little bit more heady after that, like literally more like video collages of them meeting in their minds and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. Um, is it just me? I did not care for Jennifer Jason Lee at all in this movie or Annihilation. Oh, really? You're not a fan of her? No, it's just like she's playing a role that is not the role. I, maybe I'm just being nitpicky. I like she plays the roles like a jaded administrative assistant with like quotes about Mondays pinned to her cubicle wall. <laughs> <laughs> but she is like a super high up in these tech companies and coaching someone on how to assassinate somebody. It was just yeah. I mean, maybe that was meant to add some coldness to it all. Like oh, it was very routine and mundane to them. Right. Right. But uh. And no offense against people with things about Mondays pinned to their cubicle walls, <laughs> but it just like didn't seem like the right fit. I feel like she really kind of chews this scenery too in a weird way. Like I don't know, she kind of almost hams it up in this and Annihilation in a weird, weird way, in a yeah. subtle way. Yeah, it is. I mean, like it's kind of like the same tone that she was in Annihilation, right? Like it's kind of she's kind of like a one note actress at least between these two films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. very much so. And, and yeah, it's weird because the, the role is so different. Like in the first one, it, it, like in Annihilation, she's supposedly a psychologist or a psychiatrist, right? And then in this one, she's like a cold-blooded executive, maybe. Yeah. Um, so you, yeah, you yeah think, played the same way. Yeah, played exactly the same way. Uh, but yeah, I, I hear you. I, I don't think she brought a lot, though. There was, I think, that distant coldness um, did kind of help explain some of like what they were doing with Voss and her character and kind of it makes it hard to like point a finger to say like is Voss like this terrible person for being an assassin or is it this corporation that's run by this terrible person who's willing to uh, step in the place of a kid because she's so removed like emotionally which I, I think she does a good job of conveying that at least yeah that's true yeah so I, I, I don't know uh, I, I don't know what a, a different portrayal would have looked like but I, yeah. I hear a point, though. It's kind of frustrating to see her play the same role over and over again. And it may have been a Monday when she murdered that kid. So. <laughs> That's true. That poster might have been the inspiration. <laughs> and blame her. <laughs> Mondays, great days to murder kids. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And so, the, yeah, about these. So I think it was Coop on our Discord server who said the... I literally just copied and pasted what he said. So he said, the worm monologue brought it all together for me, made me think about consumption of media and the influences it has on our personalities and identities. Yeah. I did not, I did not think about that as I was viewing it, but what do you think about that? Yeah, like, it, is it a commentary on our consumption of media? Um, that's interesting. I, yeah, I, I didn't get that uh, either. I mean, it's definitely about how like corporations and other entities can control your behavior and mind and um, drive that. I'm not sure so much about media though. Like, what, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, if it's, I'm just thinking like if a tech company can control your mind um, in like a very literal sense in this movie, like they are doing that now. And maybe they're even doing it a bit by telling us what blinds we want. Like, sure. um, and even like you could sew that thread through the character arc of her possibly being a little bit worn down in her brain by the characters she has to play and like that degrading her own personality if you want to read the movie that way sure like are you then changed and warped by the characters you see in movies or like the art you consume even yeah or just the social media you consume and how everybody Looks like they live a polished life on social media, and mm-hmm. um, and that, that influences your maybe not your personality, but your identity. Sure, you know it's certainly easy to be like, oh, I'm failing because everyone else is at the beach <laughs> like, right. all the yeah. time or whatever. Yeah, exactly. And then you're going to do <laughs> like something different, right? Eating perfect food. Yeah, yeah. Um, That's so yeah. It's interesting. There's a lot of, of ways to to read this, and a lot of the stuff too is things that are in many ways already happening like google isn't looking through your video to see what kind of stuff is in your house are you sure they're reading your right i'm not sure like that might be happening (laughs) they're reading your emails like to see what you're talking about and then i mean we've all had it happen where you're like i shoot an email it's like hey ashvin want to go camping yeah and you reply fuck no but then 
we both get camping equipment advertised <laughs> to us for the next two weeks. Yeah, like my Instagram right now is blowing up with the boner ads for some reason. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yours is going to be based on the like 2.5 being a f- Ashvin 5, you're going to have all sorts of yeah. impotency pills advertised I to you know. now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, this is going to be bad. fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, no, I, I, I think, uh, at the core, like you're right, like this movie is about, uh, how do you define a person and like what control does like each person actually have over their identity, their behaviors versus how much of that is, uh, subject to like our environment and like these companies. But I, I guess where I struggle with it is like, on one hand, you had this data mining company and you saw what he was doing where they're like invading people's uh, privacy to understand like, you know, what they can sell them. But then the company she worked for just seemed like completely out of that and like a different thing where you kidnap people and you inject something in their head so that you can control them. And I, I didn't really see the connection there. Did, I'm like, do you feel like those two were thematically connected? Yeah, I mean, they were just using tech to assassinate people, essentially. A convenient way to assassinate people. Sure. Um, the connection, I think it's there. My brain can't put its little brain finger on it, on that yeah it's almost like if you think google is a bad guy like you should check out these guys who kidnap people and implant things in their heads and kill people like it's it's unless there's some connection between the two which i I feel like the movie didn't draw uh very strongly well and i think there could be a connection too to just think like hey these giant companies are evil and super powerful and who's to say they're not doing super shady illegal things that nobody knows about Sure, sure. Like, how far will they go? So, you feel pretty confident that the company she worked for wasn't like a mom-and-pop small business? I don't think so, but um, I don't know. I mean, to think that they would be operating under, or like, that law enforcement or the general public would be aware of their existence wouldn't seem to be possible in any future that was depicted here, but... um, Right. yeah, Yeah, I don't know. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like trying some to sort of black market tech company. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, and it's effective in showing like the dangerous uh, routes technology can take and the outcomes. Yeah, um, and I guess they they are involved in though they not be they may not be a big company. They are hired by oh yeah effectively a big company right because the stepson is the one that hired him for to commit corporate espionage essentially sure. of his own corporation. That's a good point. Then they were just going to blackmail him to like be a shareholder or something. So, right. Yeah, 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 I guess you're right. They kind of fall into a similar bucket. Yeah, and that's, I mean, I can't think of any specific instance, but I'm sure you wouldn't have to look hard in the news to find corporations using third parties for for shady reasons. Yeah, yeah, right. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, hey, how did you feel about the, the gore in this? I thought it was disgusting and um, <laughs> effective. I thought that really added to the cold, chilling, generally horrifying atmosphere of the movie. I don't think this was a scary movie, but I do feel like it was horrifying. Yeah. Um, and it looked great. I don't think it was excessive in the sense that it was gore for gore's sake. I think it really uh, matched the tone of the movie. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. I mean, like, unlike other movies that I think just, like, try to be gory and, like, uh, try to gross you out, this one didn't feel like it was trying to do that. It just felt very, like, realistic, maybe, in, in its depiction. So Yeah, but, and it's kind of about a character who's reveling in violence, really. She's got a gun and she's using fire pokers instead. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, there's something drawing her to, to that kind of violence. Yeah. Um, so, I, at the end, like, do you think... Um, like the, the impression I got at the end when uh, the husband gets murdered by um, by Voss or whoever she's playing, Carlos, um, did you get the sense that at that point it was Voss in control and killed the husband and shot the kid? Um, I think maybe Colin was in control, but Voss didn't care either way. Interesting. Because um, she did say like he's only holding you back. Yeah, and yeah. So I read it as Colin in control and kind of maybe even shooting the kid out of, hmm, gosh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe that was Voss in control. I don't even know anymore. Uh, yeah, I, I kind of think it was Voss because, I mean, you mentioned earlier in the film, like she kind of, uh, you know, imagines like stabbing her husband earlier on. Um, 
And, you know, we know the company's pressuring her to, like, cut ties with her family. And then the fact that right after she kills the husband and the child, she says, pull me out. I think it kind of uh, symbolizes that Voss is, like, her in control. Yeah. Yeah, you're probably right. You're probably right. Yeah, and she has no remorse about that. Right, yeah. It sounds like, yeah, her kind of, like, stepping into that, like, assassin role and just, like, cutting, like, yeah, killing her whole family. Yeah. Nuts. Yeah, man, pretty dark. Really dark, yeah. Hey, what did you uh, make of like all the vintage cars? Uh, I didn't even notice that. Oh yeah, all, all the cars were like from like the sixties, uh, seventies. It, it was kind of a cool throwback. Because on one hand, you have like this, you know, technological advance like city and like high high rises and stuff, and then you have like these really old school cars. That was a nice touch. Oh, cool. Are you a car person? Uh, yeah, I like a good car from time to time. Interesting. Pre- I appreciate like that appreciate some of those vintage uh, cars and you know there's like a volkswagen bug in there that was good all right good to know um maybe we'll have to cover christine at some point Ooh, yeah i've never seen that that'd be a fun one me neither uh all right well zero to five eyeballs what do you give this Ooh, uh yeah i mean um i i think uh you know everything we mentioned like cinematography was great acting great uh, story very original visuals are awesome great effects so uh yeah i think i would give it four and a half eyeballs probably how about you nice um i give it four eyeballs i think it was a almost perfectly executed movie but the the eyeball missing is basically just my own personal preference this is a super dark cold movie yeah. um and i just that's never gonna be my favorite movie. So I think maybe if they had had a little bit more touching scenes, I understand if they couldn't have had a touching scene between Voss and her son and husband, like, and they did, you know, like they had sex and they, she was kind of like affectionate with her son. Mm -hmm. But if they had maybe had more touching scenes between the father and son to make it even more sad when they died, it could have, uh, I don't know. It could have worked better for me. Not that I want it to be even more depressing, but <laughs> I think, I guess I'd rather feel something than just utter bleakness. Yeah, 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 I hear you. With a character that you can't really root for. I mean, even like Colin and Ava lived in this world of like, you know, they didn't seem like the most moral likable people themselves. That's interesting. Cause I, I thought Ava was like really likable and warm and, uh, well, it was like a interesting like juxtaposition to everything else in the movie. Like their relationship felt, I, I thought it felt kind of real. You, you didn't think so? Yeah, I guess she herself was likable and warm. I guess it was just like them all sitting around like a coffee table, her and her friends like doing, doing coke. coke and <laughs> yeah. just like making sarcastic and yeah, yeah. Didn't didn't seem like my kind of crowd. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I thought they seemed like a bunch of cool kids. <laughs> Be part of that scene. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah. That, that, yeah. That's that's a good point. I mean, like yeah, the movie obviously doesn't like try to be very emotional. I have a lot of heart, and it, it's a, taking a cold approach. Do you feel like uh, I, I know you like uh, to look for character development and uh, like a flushed out character? Did, did you feel like it had that at least? Yeah, I think it did. It was just a character that I couldn't necessarily root for. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was given no reason to like the character. I agree. I mean, like she was like emotionally like just not there, and I think that was like who she was. Right. And even Colin, like you, you feel for his situation, but you're never really given a reason to like him either. You just don't really know him that much. Yeah. Right. You don't know him that much at all. Yeah. And then until like the end when he's like trying to break, uh, or like, yeah, fight, but, but still it's like very minimal exposure getting to his character. Yeah. His performance was great too. Him and Andrea Riseborough. Yeah. Yeah. Both very strong. Yeah. Really good. All, all around, great performances. Cinematography, incredible. Yeah, technically everything about this m- movie was good. I liked the music, too. I thought it really added to the chilling atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, music was on. Yeah. But yeah, it's just four for me because not my style. But sure. yeah, four and a half from you, that's great. Yeah, yeah. yeah I and this is going to be at the top. I've already seen it at the top of a lot of end of the year top ten lists. So I, oh. I think rightly so. Yeah, yeah. It seems like it has a place there for sure. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what else uh, this guy comes out with. For sure. Yeah, hopefully it won't be so long until his next one. You think you'd want to go back and watch uh, Antiviral? Yeah. Yeah, I would. Okay. Yeah. All right, man. Anything else before we wrap up? Uh, No, that's all I got. Cool. 
Well, that has been our discussion on Possessor, everybody. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, you can leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. That helps other people find our show, and it makes us feel good. Uh, you can connect with us at horrormovieclub.com. There is a social links drop down there where you can find our Facebook and Twitter. And that's where we announce what movie we're going to cover next week. We've also got a link there for our Discord server where you can come hang out and chat with us and other horror movie lovers. There's always a fun conversation going on there. Uh, you can email us at podcast at horrormovieclub.com. Our logo is done by Amy May Popart. You can check her out on Etsy.com by searching Amy May Pop Art, all one word. She's got great horror art out there and generally cool pop art that you can buy and make your home a more lovely place. And I think that's it. So until next time, I'm sure I don't have to tell any of you this, but the next time you go to kill somebody, be sure to use the weapon provided by your employer. <laughs> don't try to be creative. Yeah, it's a slippery slope once you start using the fire poker. Okay.